Andy, welcome to the RT Rugby Podcast after week one of the Six Nations Championship and Ireland after the defeat of Wales, the prospect of facing the flying French this weekend. I guess um, a lot to talk about and pick over. Not too much so on the match, which has, I guess, been covered in great detail, but certainly the prospect of facing France this weekend and what it means for Ireland and for Andy Farrell. Delighted to be joined, as always, by Donald Lennon, Bernard Jackman and Wes Diddy. Agencio, all very welcome. I guess, Donald, for Andy Farrell this week, the main job on his hands would be to lift the squad and, uh, I, I guess, pick up the pieces of what was ultimately a very battling but a very disappointing uh, defeat in Cardiff. Yeah, look, I think it's... Uh... A demoralising defeat when you 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 win or you lose that opening game. Uh, they were, I no doubt they travelled there expecting to win the match. Um, look, circumstances change as we're all aware by now. After 14 minutes, you're reduced to uh, to 14 men. It it uh, it asks other questions. Um, I suppose the interesting thing from Ireland's point of view was the response. Certainly uh, from that moment onwards, um, you know that second quarter in the match, they they changed the way they went about it. Uh, they played incredible rugby to reverse a 6-0 deficit to a, a seven-point lead at half-time. So, look, a huge this to take from the game, but it does put you on the back foot going into a whole match against a team that are now on favourites to win the championship. So, um, it's a different dynamic. It's it's uh, very difficult. You wait. I'm not sure. I presume they went back home on the Friday, on the Sunday night after the match. You wake up the Monday morning in in Ireland camp, and uh, you know that sort of empty feeling you have when you lose that opening game. Um, so the whole dynamic of of training and in and around the camp this week will be one of I'd, I'd say absolute desperation to win the game. But it helps to focus the minds hugely. And uh, you know I I expect to see another big response on on Sunday against uh, a French team. That picked up from where they left off uh, in the autumn. The team we saw against uh, Italy and Rome were impressive in so many ways. So uh, I think it's going to be an intriguing match. Really looking forward to it. Bernard, I don't want to oversimplify it. You know me. But um, I watched the game back a couple of times. And if I was to simplify it as best I can... I would say that the backs let the forwards down last yeah, week. Yeah, look, I, I think we are struggling a little bit um, to get the ball to the outside channels. And I, and I don't think that was just because we had 14. I think there was opportunities. Um, Wales were very narrow in defence and, and we didn't seem to trust in ourselves to throw that pass. So se- hence the game be- uh, became played, you know, um, between the two fifteens, to said we, we probably the, the blind side the odd time, but we expected our forwards to make a huge amount of carries, and we also made Wales make a lot of the tackles. But realistically, they weren't tackles that really stretched stretched them. So you know, uh, Tipperick in fairness had to get on his bike a few times to to catch ring rolls. But in general, effectively, they made a tackle, uh, they got up, and we came back at them again a phase later. So I think that will probably frustrate the Irish attack. Um, a little bit in the review in that we probably made it easy for them um, and while we upped the ante with a man the, bin, uh, the man sent off and we showed a huge amount of bravery and a huge amount of work um, certainly our attacking game isn't um, isn't really firing and even the you know the, the Henshaw try you know it, it's probably not something I know it, it happened um, he scored against France late in the game just stuck him back under but it's not something really off the training field it's it's more of a just a you know the rush defense comes up on the outside and he just stuck back underneath. So it, look at my cat would say, you know Robbie Henshaw was in a few scrums that obviously affected the um, the strikes etc. But 
I think that um, I think that's still an area that we're not really sure where where we're going. Yeah, I, and Wes, you know, the, the reason I say I think that the backs that the forwards down is because even without Peter Armani, I thought they acquitted themselves really well. The line out certainly was better. I mean, man, there's to steal a few on the Welsh side. The scrum is very, and the pack, the speed of rock ball by the pack before it gets to Conor Murray was as quick as it has been in a long time. Yet we couldn't use the ball sufficiently with that quick ball to put Wales under pressure. Todd, to be fair with with the backs, as much as you're saying, you know, to, to let people down, I think I, I agree that they struggled to get the ball wide, but I thought there was actually some very good individual performances in the back line. I thought Hugo Keenan looked very sharp. I thought in the tackle was sharp defensively, maybe one or two regrets. Um, I thought Robbie Henshaw looked, to me, he looked like he's slimmed down quite a bit since since maybe last season, the season before he looked very lively, very explosive. So, like, I think that was what was such a funny game was, uh, that was what was so funny about it in the aftermath was there were some some positives to take, but but obviously to, the overriding thing, disappointment at the loss and more so disappointment that based on what we saw during the game and what we felt coming into the game, um, the loss was completely unavoidable. But, I mean, you... you when you lose a man after 14 minutes, things do go out the window to an extent. But I know Billy Burns's error at the end obviously got a lot of uh, discussion the last few days, and rightly so. But um, to, to be honest, Peters was actually far more damaging. So he's gutted to miss three games. But you know, B- Billy Burns was just an error in execution, whereas Peters was a was a lapse in judgment for the second time this season, at least. And he's a, a guy in his thirties that's the captain of his province. It's it's, it's more disappointing, I think. Really. Just on the Peter Manny issue, Donald. You know, um, I don't want to dwell too much on it now because you know he's he's banned now, and and Ireland has to move on. But you know, he's he's always a player, as you know, he's a, he's a core con man as well. That that plays on this and this edge. He's a very physical player. Do you think it was just a moment of madness by him or would you expect someone of experience just to have taken that split second to say, look, you know, I can't, you can't do this in the international game these days? Look, in reality, you don't have that second you line up a rock. Something is happening in real time in front of you. Uh, the unfortunate thing is, look, um, given the way the modern game is played, uh, circumstances can change at the last second. We saw with Josh van der Flee against Northampton when he ended up with his head sticking up out of a rock. In, in a similar way, um, Thomas Francis, having been tackled by, by Johnny Sexton, ended up with his head turned at the last second. Now, the, the, uh, the most damning thing for me from Peter's point of view is that he actually went into, the, into contact with his elbow cocked. So therefore, once there was contact made there, there was absolutely no way out. There was no mitigating circumstance and you know it's a whole area in and around the rock area you're technically you're supposed to be buying going into rocks but nobody seems to officiate uh, on that but at least you must be seen to make the effort to have your arms out to bind on someone and to engage with someone once you go in leading with an elbow then you're asking for trouble um and yes look he, he he's been around long enough to know that certainly in a situation like that you've got to be really careful in terms of how you look to impact that breakdown. Um, look, the minute it was put up on screen, there was no way, immediately I said red card, there was no way out of it. Um, look, I'm sure you could see him going off the field. It's it's a terrible position that you find yourself in, but you just have to be cognizant that this is something that can happen. 
And, you know, I'm sure it's going to happen again. Uh, we've seen it in other games, like the Liam William ones, if you remember. It looked very, even more innocuous. Well, I won't say Peter's one was innocuous because it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Liam Williams' one was more innocuous, and yet he got a red card straight away. That is the way the game has been officiated for reasons that we're more than aware of. So you just have to be careful. Otherwise, you walk the tightrope that Peter did. And just, working back to you. Yeah, go just on. wonder, Hugh, sorry. Just, just wonder what the lads think. Just, I couldn't help but wonder. It might be a bit, bit lazy, but... I just wondered how how less likely was something like that to happen under the last coaching ticket, and do kind of errors like that in different guises of the game? Do they do they point to this you know the now dirty word, but do they point to a lack of detail or a lack of clarity across the board in general within the team at the minute? Look at I, I'm sure there's a focus on on you know creating quick ball, winning the race, et cetera, because Paul has taken on the, um, you know, the breakdown. So there probably has to be a more focus on our attacking cleanups, but certainly that, that wouldn't be, you know, um, something that they would have taught. And, but it's a fine line between laying down the law physically and, and, uh, and I suppose stamping your authority on the game and going over, over the top. And it's a split second. I agree with Donald. And in fairness, but I think he was, it was 100% red cards. I, I'd say three weeks, probably lenient enough. But um, the the actual incident, the way Thomas Francis was twisted is very rare. When you do breakdown work, it's rare guys coming out facing that way. So I can, I can see how it all happened. Um, and look, I, I wouldn't say it's because, look, were they, all, were they too fired up in that first 20 minutes? You know, that's something that um, we, we probably never know. But I don't think... Um, I, I think Peter's just trying to, to create quick ball and, and oversteps the mark in terms of his technique was really poor and obviously he's got to pull out of that. But uh, I wouldn't, I, I'd say there's a focus on the breakdown, but I wouldn't think it's anything to do with the, the new coaching staff. Well, as you mentioned, the, the, you know, the backs um, that played well, Hugo Keenan and Robbie Henshaw, as you mentioned, um, at excellent games. And that's true. What I was asking, though, as a collective, I thought the pack played very well as a unit. I didn't th- think the back line played particularly well as a battering unit, and you didn't mention either Conor Murray or Jonathan Sexton, and I thought personally both of them didn't have great games. Sexton for the time that he was on, and Conor Murray I thought was incredibly slow getting the ball out. Do we have a huge issue in the half backs now, one or both? And is that your reading of it as well, or how would you think they? I, I thought Jameson Gibson Park definitely injected a lot of tempo into things, but it is you are chasing the game and it was the late stage of the game that facilitated that a bit but I mean I've no basis for saying this whatsoever I don't have any insight but you do wonder would like to play that role he played there where he's like empowered to make split second quick decisions and kind of drive the direction of the team like you do wonder is Johnny's presence so great within the team would would he feel comfortable in that decision making role uh, from the outset with Johnny outside him, I, I, I'm not sure, but I just wonder is he is he an intimidating guy to play around at times? Yeah, Sexton, his body language and his demeanor on the pitch certainly suggests Donald that look, Johnny Sexton has always been like this. You know, I don't think he's changed under the captaincy. I think it's more under focus now because he is captain that he draws more attention on himself. So, so the, like the faces that he pulls, he's not happy with something. You know, I guess they're giving out to the 
referee or, or his demeanor around the pitch is more under the spotlight because he is captain now. Do you think it's becoming a problem? Uh, well, look, I mean, we went through this uh, with the game against France when he was taken off, and there was a big hype generated about that. I mean, that competitiveness is what may, has made Johnny Sexton the player that he is in terms of uh, Gibson Park and him. I mean, the bottom line, Conor Murray and, and Johnny Sexton have played together for so long. There's a, a telepathy there between them. Um, and they are very comfortable in each other's um, in that particular relationship. I didn't. Uh, I thought Johnny Sexton played quite well for the vast majority of the game. Yes, he made some individual errors as well, kicking out of the full. Um, uh, you know that obviously weren't quite as costly, but um, given uh, the the time of the match where they happened. But overall, I thought he played quite well, uh, particularly in that period in the second quarter when Ireland decided. got in behind Wales um, they were operating off a uh, far quicker ball I think 65 was unheard of for Ireland recently um, but you have to ask the question I mean Conor Murray in that opening 20 minutes I mean I thought having watched the two games on Saturday I thought the opening 10 or 15 minutes in Cardiff was an absolute dross to watch on both teams were so intent on getting into the opposition half, that they just both kicked the letter off the ball. Uh, I presume that was Ireland's approach set uh, coming into the game, that they would look to play territory, keep Wales pinned back in their own part of the field. The, the early box kicks from Conor Murray were absolutely spot on. Uh, I think Keith Earls retained the first one, uh, but then they just started drifting too deep. Um, so, but look, both of them are around long enough to know you need to change and when you need to react what's happening in front of you. Um, in terms of, it, it is a worry now that Johnny Sexton, and, and I would say he is more aware than anyone that he hasn't finished a game for a long time, gone 80 minutes. So therefore, when something happens in the game, the frustration, he just can't control the level of frustration. I mean, uh, looking at him, he obviously must have thought that the, the bang to the head from Tipperick was deliberate because he looked apoplectic. He was looking back. He was looking to give out. Whereas I think every one of us looking at him would see it was a, a completely accidental collision. But that is the fires that within him that have driven him over the years. Yes, I think in terms of now the fact that he is the captaincy role, he needs to rein that in and spread load and make the younger fellas feel more involved in the decision-making process. Now, whether that's happening or not, I don't know. But um, it's it's it certainly doesn't help the fact that he's struggling to finish every game at the moment. If it was up to the French neurosurgeons, he certainly wouldn't be playing. But we'll come back to that a little bit later on. Um, he's got to pass a number of tests. If he's not playing this weekend, Bernard, who should start if I have? Um, it's, a, it's a difficult one. I'd like to see him show fate in Billy Burns, to be honest. Um, why? Why? Well, he was picked yeah. because of his quality. Um, for what he's done for Ulster, um, and I wouldn't jet jetnize him just on on the whatever he had twenty minutes. And even though you know there was there was mistakes in that twenty minutes, I think you got to show faith in him. Um, if you're go if Sexton does, but I could I thought actually to be honest, I'm not sure he's the second best ten. Um, in terms of I think he's a better impact player coming off the bench maybe than Ross Byrne, but I think. Ross Byrne is more like for like for Sexton. And given this team, I think it's going to be lacking a little bit of confidence. Um, and uh, potentially you need someone like Ross Byrne who 
who despite having had some difficult afternoons in an Irish jersey, does seem to have that real tough, you know, um, mental mental side, which will allow him to go in and perform a, a, at a certain level. But also, I think the 10 is so important in Ireland at the moment because it doesn't look like we have real clarity of our, of our plan. Um, and I think Johnny's so powerful a personality, he can nearly impose that or he's like a coach on the team. But just before we talk about the 10, um, there's a couple of things for me that concern me tactically against Wales, right? So first of all, kickoffs, right? So we seem to target Adam Lynn Jones, mm. right? who in my 14, 15 years of watching international rugby hasn't shown a real weakness in terms of his ability to catch uh, kickoffs with pod, right? So, and, and and that's fine. Maybe maybe we felt we want to get we get after him there, right? But, the yeah, maybe maybe that was it. But uh, <laughs> like you've conceded a score, right? And you you know you kick it to their Taddy's man who who deals with it, and because of where his pod is, you're you're only you've only moved to play up fifteen meters, right? And also they're outside of twenty two, and it's very comfortable for them to box kick back from 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 that from that uh, possession there because you can't the guy in the air right uh, so I did that I think four times um, which was strange um, and also I mean if you kick it along and you get trapped them in their 22 with someone like Keith Earls or or, um, or James Lowe putting pressure on then you've just a chance to kick it out and you have a line out which was going well first so that's one thing secondly I don't see the reason to leave Gibson Park on the bench to the 72nd minute given the fact that we were now chasing the game and given the fact that have a part in in that last rally um, with his with his speed around the breakdown etc. So that there's a question mark there. I can understand if we were still in the lead or it was a one score game, why you would leave Connor. Um, but I think that, that was strange. And then the third thing I just like to say I thought was strange was when Henshaw went to HIA. I don't think that if you during the week you you look at your coaching strategy in terms of injuries, red cards, yellow cards, um, HIAs. I, when you have Larmer on the bench and Earls on the team, I see why you would put Johnny to 12. Uh, I, I just think you're taking your 10 out of position and he hasn't played a huge amount of 12. I know himself and Raj at certain times did a little bit of a Gats tried a little bit of Lions tour, but he's not a 12 um, anymore. So effectively you're losing your, your ability there, you're also risking him physically, um, because it's a different, more difficult position, and you're not really going to get any X factor that you might with Larmer or Earls uh, at 13. So, there were just three things that I thought the coaching staff, when they review it, will be going, Yeah, we could have done a little bit better there. Yeah, and they're all just pick up, uh, sorry, just to pick up on that there. Look, I think you're absolutely right in terms of, uh, uh, in, in terms, I, I can never understand. When uh, you have injuries where people make two and three changes to affect, uh, to, to cover for one. Jordan Larmer had played, uh, I think ended up at the Grand Slam game in, in 2018, playing in the in midfield for Ireland for long passages of that game. Um, so it, it was strange that you made those two changes like that. But I often think as well, and, and, and Bernard, you're probably in the best position to answer this. Are teams so prescriptive now in the way they go about things, that they don't just react to changes that have been imposed either through things like yellow cards, red cards, injuries on the field, um, that they just don't react to it. And I mean, I, I look at it from a Welsh point of view. I mean, everybody's saying there was, without question, definite improvement 
from Ireland from a line-out perspective. But obviously Wales didn't want to hand Ireland line-outs. Ireland had only three line-outs in the opening half. They kept on kicking long, right? Yet, after 20 minutes in the game, Ireland had lost Peter O'Mahony and James Ryan. They're two best ball winners out of touch. Yet Wales still kept kicking the ball long down to them, not reacting to what's happening in front of you on the field. Now, as it happened over that mantle and was was incredible in so many ways, but um, it never ceases to amaze me, given that like circumstances change in every game. Like you shouldn't have to wait to look at the side. I go back to that famous game between England and Italy a couple of years ago, if you remember, when Connor put nobody into the rocks and England hadn't a clue what to do or where they were going. Um, I mean, has coaching become so prescriptive now that people just have to be told to change and uh, as opposed to reacting to what's happening in front of them? I, I think that's a big concern. And, and probably from an Irish point of view, we had a couple of examples for Connacht for a couple of weeks in, uh, in a row. Decisions and, um, and it looked like there was no one on the field who actually had thought about what what the right option is with 13 men and, and a, or, or 15 against 13, etc. or when you don't need a, uh, when a try makes no difference and you just play safe. Uh, and I know that Andy Friend is, was tearing his hair out around, around this, but it's, and it's probably a factor. I think going back to Arnold, when you had got, and it sounds stupid, because we're a long way away from the, the days when it was, there was a transition from amateur to professional, but when you had, people in the in your team who maybe were working in a bank or solicitors or whatever they generally wanted to be more involved in the in decision making on the field and what we've seen recently is um you know uh rugby by numbers and as you said pre pre-described and if you do anything to take them out of that uh there doesn't seem to be any kind of problem solving i know pivac pivac felt for that which was what was it 25 minutes after the red card the Wales were completely lost and he he couldn't wait to get him into the dressing room to, to give him some kind of a, a plan and that's a Welsh team with Alan Jones with Toby Falatau with uh, with Dan Bigger you know guys who have 15 years worth of experience and you would have said you know at 25 Alan Jones would have been able to make get a huddle and, and say look this is what we need to do um it, it makes sense what we're seeing because they have more time together. Uh, okay, you can say COVID, whatever, but there's, there's what we're on now. We're on Zoom. Like, there's no reason why you can't predict these things happening. And, and I think red cards and cards are going to become more frequent. Um, and teams need to be able to capitalise on that. But, yeah, what we saw, I think, intellectually uh, in Cardiff um, wasn't great. The, the, the 10 for, for Saturday, it's on the assumption that Johnny Sexton is out, it's, yeah. it's a really, it's, it's, it's a difficult one. Like the bottom line is, and you can only tell where certain players are when you're in camp. Like, how was Billy Burns when he woke up on the Monday morning? Mentally, if he's not right on that Monday or Tuesday to play an international, then you shouldn't contemplate picking him. It might be better for him not to be involved. But bear in mind, if you do that, in effect, you're writing him off. Um, I would have said, certainly on on terms of performances for Leinster, if you wanted to put it that way, Ross Byrne was ahead of Billy Burns. But then, having watched the, the five or six games that they played in the autumn, there was no doubt, based on the performances in those, that Billy Burns had leapfrogged Ross Byrne. So it's a very difficult one. Where, you know, we've spoken about this whole succession plan and what's happened and, and all the reasons why those two are there 
as opposed to others. But um, we we backed ourselves into a very difficult corner now. I think if Sexton is out, uh, personally, I think I'd go back to Rossburn. You don't. I mean, don't, but Rossburn uh, has had chances and he has... I mean, I don't want to be too harsh on the guy, but I mean, I just, I'm scratching my head. If this is the, the, the I, answer to Johnny Sexton, I'm, I'm kind of saying to him, yeah. I'm not saying this is the answer for Johnny Sexton. I'm talking about picking an out half to play against France next Sunday. Yeah. You must, the only game that matters from an Irish context for Andy Farrell, for the players and the squad, is next Sunday's game. Um, and he's two out halves. You must take into consideration all the COVID issues, all the bubble. It's not as easy to bring people in and out. Um, and therefore, you're talking about picking somebody to start on Sunday. All things being equal, as I've said, if Billy Burns, in a, if his mental state is such that Andy Farrell is quite happy that he's been able to compartmentalise that issue, and it was only a, a skill execution, um, well, therefore, you make the decision that he plays. But I'm not in a position to say what mental state mm. the guy is in now. But uh, I think to suggest that you could bring in Harry Byrne uh, yesterday or Monday morning and play him against France, it's just not going to happen. Well, why not? It's it, I, I, this, I'm, I'm asking the question, why not, Donald? Because, you know, every, the world and his mother who's seen this guy play knows that he's good enough. And I, I know, I accept that he has not had the experience of, of players, other players who come into the similar positions. But, like, this drives me mad about, you know, this conservative attitude from the coaching setup in Ireland that you must come through you know, X amount of checkpoints. You must play Heineken Cup. You must play at this stage for your problems before we bring into the squad and consider it. I, I just don't accept that, that that should be the case. Yeah, but you think so? You can drop, you can just uh, parachute a fella in on a Tuesday in the uh, in, in the half-pack position, oh, number 10, where you're the controller general of what's happening. Uh, he gets a whole new playbook. Everything fucking is thrown at him for the three days before the Absolutely. match. Absolutely. Uh, what happens then? He goes in and he doesn't, he has a bad first 20 minutes. What do you do then? Throw look, him out and bring in the next fella. No, it doesn't no. work like that, you. Well, you see, I know it doesn't work like that it's in Ireland. philosophy, I think, is what I'll take from the two of you there. Donald said all that matters is to Andy Farrell and the team is France this Saturday, and he's 100% right. What you're saying, or trying to say, I think, is <laughs> you'd like to see it being about a bit more than that and who is going to be sexting in the not-too-distant future. And you don't if I, I, bother that man. 100%. And I, I cannot for the life of me... This is, that we are in this position and Harry Byrne is not being considered to start this weekend speaks volumes to me about the succession planning and the way Irish rugby has been for the last 10 years. Like, I cannot understand how he has not been in the squad for you know the last couple of campaigns. Automations Cup coming into this and that we're now in a situation where we're going ah sure Ross Byrne he's probably the guy to start this weekend if Billy Byrne's ahead isn't right Ross Byrne has ultimately failed on every yeah, chance to be given and yes there are excuses behind England but 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 no hang on Byrne like it, it, Ross Byrne you know is is, an, is a good player right is he what we should be looking at as our future long term 10 planning absolutely no way in fairness I think the game the starts he's had for Ireland have been incredibly difficult and any 10 would have struggled I think he played England twice and France once. So, um, you know, in a team that isn't that well, the, the, the game he played in Twickenham was a pre-World Cup warm-up. We got we got hammered. Um, I think he's shown enough uh, in big games to say he's he's well capable of playing international rugby. Is he that? Is he going to have played international rugby for Ireland for ten years? Uh, you know, maybe not. But I don't think you can like Jolly Bear is a very different case than than Harry Byrne in that Jolly Bear. 
plays for Bordeaux every week, the top end of the top 14, um, and, and is the main man there and, and has shown that he can play at a very high level in a, in a very difficult competition. Whereas Harry has shown loads of ability, absolutely. But that's the flaw with our system is that we have we have three tens who are in the Irish setup, or two tens who are in the Irish setup and one outside it, um, who are playing the same province. So, uh, and the youngest guy, the, the third choice, so those doesn't get to play that many games whereas obviously in France you know they're peppered all over those 14 clubs uh, those young players so that's that's the challenge so I, I think that would be madness from from Farrell to mm. parachute uh, Harry Byrne and I presume I presume Brian just meant get him into the squad or whatever but I don't think Brian yeah. who's coaching would pick him to start this weekend yeah, and, and, and Hugh you're absolutely right in terms of our, uh, our birth in terms of, I remember looking at the stats there a couple of months ago for a piece I wrote uh, Gentleman, yeah. Jalabert, who ate sick, was capped at mm-hmm. 19. And uh, uh, Columbal, the, the, the third guy who came out as a sub the last day, yeah, he's 20. Yeah, each one of those three between Toulouse, uh, Entemac Toulouse had played over 50 games of either top 14 in France or Heineken Champions Cup. Likewise, with Toulon, um, uh, Columbal had done the same. And Jalaber, despite the fact that he was out for almost nine or ten months, had 55 games at top 14 or Champions Cup level. That is a totally different grounding to somebody who might... Uh, has Harry Byrne played 10 games of Pro 14? Uh, he was due to start his first Champions Cup game. No, that's a, that's a system fault in Ireland. But mm. that goes back to the fact that we have only the four provinces. France have 14 teams playing in their league. Therefore, their talent spread out and they get those opportunities. Like we're still talking. I have no doubt. Do I think Ross Byrne or Billy Burns are the long-term successor to Johnny Sexton? No, I don't. Right now, they're in there. They're the ones who, if you like, are, are in that stopgap scenario. Uh, we're still hoping and praying that Joey Carberry gets back and look, the, the signs are good. He might play soon. The, the real stupidity is that the likes, and again, it goes back to Bernard's point about having two or three fellas in the same squad. The, like Ben Healy, who everybody was, you know, had a fantastic run. Um, but then he, he started against Benetton recently. And, you know, there was a bit of focus on him with the Irish camp coming up and all that. And let's be honest, he didn't have one of his better games. Jack Crowley is still waiting. As we saw, he was, this, uh, you know, an outstanding performer. Farmer for Ireland at under 20s level this year. He's still waiting to get a start with and JJ Hatter. So, like, we are the architects. Just, Jason Hatter's just signed a new contract with Munster. And this is, is exactly, exactly back to my point. Like, why are we not backing these young guys? Oh, Jack Crowley's another example, Donald. You know how good he is. We watched him play. That, he has everything. And yet, Munster this week gave JJ Hanner a new contract with two young fly halves, one of which had his head turned by Glasgow not so long ago. I just don't understand. I don't understand yeah, I mean, what the plan is, is. But this is this is where having four provinces a wider debate. No, but this is where having four provinces uh, provinces is working against us. I mean, it was well reported that uh, Raj had made an approach to um, Jack, Crowley. Um, Jack Crowley to go to La Rochelle. Mm. For me, it would have been the ideal scenario if he if he went there for a year or two, because it looks as if if Joey Carberry, we're all hoping and praying that Joey Carberry gets back. And then you have Ben Healy. So when is Jack Curley going to get an opportunity to play? So therefore, 
maybe with her blessing, we should be sending him off to yeah. Shell. And he gets those top 14 games that the likes of Entomac and Jalibert got over the past number of years. You look at, like, Scottish rugby. Like, you look at their performance in the weekend. Like, Johnny Gray played the best international. There was a 63rd cap. Best performance I've seen out of Johnny Gray. Stuart Hogg, absolutely outstanding. More from a tackle and kicking perspective rather than as the running player that we know him to be. I think Scotland have got the benefit out of the fact that those two players have gone to a different environment. They've gone into a winning culture in Exeter. And over the course of six and 12 months, they have returned to Scotland better players and they've made Scotland a better team. So maybe we are too focused on this whole, uh, you know, the four provinces and players not getting the opportunity to play abroad. Uh, certainly, I think the way that their game has developed has sort of opened my mind again to the benefits of allowing our players to go away. You have uh, Ed Burns' brother. Yeah, the, uh, Brian. 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 Brian Burns. I see yeah. him playing for Bristol yeah. almost every week. The young fella is having an outstanding season for Bristol. Yet, uh, he was rated, was it the fourth hooker at best in Leinster? So there's another example of a younger player getting that opportunity to go away. I think we're going to have to look at uh, allowing these guys get more game time by backing them in going abroad for a period of time when it is clear and obvious that they are not going to get game time within their provinces. In the longer term, it will accelerate their development and give us even a wider base from which to select but you know what? Just on us, you couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. You so yeah. France had two very good generations of under twenties. Okay, um, where they won the, the Junior World Cup, and uh, so the likes of uh, Jalie Berwak. They they actually um, insisted that that and in fairness, they didn't have the the contractual right to move players, but someone in the FFR sat down with each top fourteen coach because most of these kids were in the top fourteen academies. And said, "Look, we're already in your depth chart. These kids need to play." So, so a lot of those fellas went went to play in Pro D two for a year with callback op- options in the contract. If there's an injury crisis, they can come back, etc. And the, both clubs split their contracts. But now you have those players who have vast experience of, of playing week in, week out. And you know, theoretically, and it, that's France, where the politics between the FFR and the league and the clubs has always been an absolute minefield. Whereas we only have four problems. And I actually think that it would be more, more acceptable for David Nusifora or whoever, the IRFU, to send or to speak to Leinster about, you know, one of their back rows going to play in England or France for a year, then moving them to Munster or Connacht. Because you know that if they go to Munster or Connacht, it's going to be very hard to get them back. So you can still keep that connection. So one of those young tens in Munster, you know, to go to La Rochelle for a year, um, and, and and play and uh, there with Roger or play the top 14 could it's easier to come back to Munster then uh, and, and it could be done it, it could be done without any conflict um, but just a little bit of negotiations and I promise you like Dan Brennan Trevor's young fella is in brief mm. getting game time because there was no opportunity in Toulouse Toulouse hope he'll come back a better player um, but at the moment we just like keep everyone keep it uh, and it's like for those youngsters it's so hard for them to get those breaks um, it's, that it's, even, it's, it's even it's, the players it's, that get moved on. Them. For example, all due respect to the guy, but would Irish rugby have been better served by Crowley or Healy going to Connacht when Conor Fitzgerald went to Connacht? Probably they're more likely to play international rugby and sooner, but 
there's you mentioned politics in France. There's more subtle politics at play here, but there's an element of horse trading and all these arrangements, as you know. And you know, you can keep this guy if this guy can go and all this stuff. So it's not just about sending them abroad. It's it's we're meant to have a system that allows movement, but it it, it only kind of Donald, Donald, it. And, and we're caught in between two. Has the exile has the exiles link been lost completely with London Irish now? Is that just you know? I mean, is that more of a throwback to the amateur era? I mean, Declan Kidney is there, obviously. You know, you know, Sean O'Brien's over there. You know, that could be a perfect fit for exactly what we're just talking about. Yeah, it could, and it was an obvious one for years and years. But the the city may be of a fallout between London Irish and the RFU um, like there's nobody I think Sean O'Brien is probably is one of two Irish faces in London Irish at the moment I mean they're as multinational low as any other club but um, look they're they're almost a private entity in themselves as well uh, the problem there is is a lot of their grant monies come from the RFU in terms of serving their academy but it is a very obvious outlet without question uh, I think we're producing so many younger players now, which is a fantastic problem to have, but we're not dealing with the, the product that comes off the conveyor belt. We, we have nowhere to put them. Um, so therefore, I do think it is time that we look at the broader uh, scale because, I mean, uh, the, the more you think about it, I, I hadn't uh, realised that JJ has re-signed next year, but if Joey Carberry is back, so you're talking about JJ, Joey Carberry, Ben Healy. When does Ben Healy know? If Ben Healy is rated ahead of Jack Crowley, where is he going to get the time and the mm. and exposure? Jake Flannery because on top of that, well, the first thing if I'm uh, Jake Flannery, exactly. But I mean, the first thing was if I'm uh, Andy Farrell and Joey Carberry is back fit, you're going to say, "Geez, lads, I want you to play him in as many games as you can. We need to get him up to match. I can't play him for Ireland until these five or six games behind him." I think the the the, the shame for Ireland. Uh, this summer is um, that they don't have a tour. It would have been the ideal time with, if the in the ideal world, with the Lions tour going ahead, and maybe you've seven or eight Irish players away on the Lions tour. It would have been the ideal summer to bring a younger group away, expose them, bring them to Australia, New Zealand. I don't care where you bring them, but uh, that is your basis. Then for that, you 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 then get a feel. Which one of those guys are capable of stepping up to the next level in the following season? And then you can really test them the following summer when they go on a three-test tour in Zealand. And then you're one year out from the World Cup. So, um, you know, I think, look, through nobody's fault, with COVID, those opportunities are being lost. Well, I tell you what, I have the solution right here, lads. There's loads of money in the IRFU bank account at the moment. Just set up a fifth province and everything will be solved. We get all these lads in and just play them. No, there you go. Oh, easily, Leinster easily solved. Leinster and two, exactly. Oh. Before, before we leave Loads it, lads. Of money in the RFU. We said to reasonable, <laughs> them five million a month to keep the provinces alive. That's uh, five whatever bank account that is. We're almost out of time, and we haven't even spoken about France. I mean, Bernard, do you yeah, give us any chance this weekend? For you sure, know, I think France are bound to have um, one bad performance. They lost to Scotland last year. Um, a lot of what they do is is down to individuals. Um, they have an off day. There'll be a backlash from Ireland. There'll be massive pressure on. Look, on form, you wouldn't fancy Ireland. But um, I think the selection at 10 is going to be absolutely massive. Um, you know, is, is Johnny going to be fit to play? Uh, yeah, I, I, we have a chance, but I, I couldn't back Ireland really based on form, to be honest. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's hard to make a case, Donald. It's just on, on all known facts. Yeah, it is. Look, but that said, I do think that there is a big performance. I still don't know. This this French team have come a long way in a short space of time. Uh, they're going to, you know, they're going to have a, diff- a challenge of a different nature at some stage. And to be interesting to see how their younger players react to that. The thing that impressed me most about them uh, against Italy uh, over the weekend was a, the fact that they were sprinted out of the blocks almost immediately. Like historically, Italy have been competitive in the the opening two games of the championship, losing players through injury and they get physically beaten up that they fall apart by the end of the championship. But when you consider, uh, for me, the unsung heroes in that French side, uh, we, we, we all spoke about Vakataba and what a loss he is. Arthur Vincent, I thought, was outstanding. He's only 22. He mm-hmm. gets better and better with every outing. Jalabert slotted in seamlessly and Tamak wasn't missed. But this guy, Dylan Creton, who's come into the back row, one of the few changes. I thought he was outstanding in so many areas, uh, in terms of a ball winner, in terms of support play, carrying. And he doesn't look the, the physically the biggest, but I thought he was outstanding. So, um, you know, the mix and the quality they have ab- available is huge. Yes, they, they, they will be favourites, but uh, I do, I am expecting a massive game because it's kind of last chance saloon and that if you lose on the weekend, then you're definitely out. Of the championship. Wes, what do you, what do you reckon? Uh, I think, look, we could win a one-off game, but I don't think that changes the fact that the, the trajectory of the two sides is quite a bit different at this stage. You go back over everything that's said here, the lads have kind of pinpointed, you know, lack of clarity maybe with what the team are trying to achieve, problems with bringing players through, a um, couple of issues with All that uncertainty or just a, a lack of clarity of where we're, we're building towards with what's happening in France with Laporte down to Galtier, the strength of their assistance, very regimented and each having their own area of expertise. Even the clubs who are so notoriously petulant over there kind of kind of rowing in, building towards this home World Cup. I just don't see any of that unit. Of purpose yep. across Irish okay, well, I personally, if you ask my opinion, if Craig Casey and Harry Burns started halfbacks, I think we'll hammer them. If not, we have no chance. Anyway, lads, pleasure as always. Um, right old discussion. We'll review it all next week. Enjoy the match. The, Grace, the Greystones under 18 halfbacks are looking for a game the weekend if you want to get them in. <laughs> <laughs> right, enjoy the match. Talk to you next week. Nice Good luck.